Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Phanthropological, the podcast that explores the breadth of human fandom. I'm Nick G. I'm joined today by Nick Z. Hey, I'm going to be playing a lawful neutral podcaster who plays by his own rules. Oh, boy. And today we're going to be exploring the world of Pathfinder with the two professors from the Pathfinder Academy podcast, Caleb and Christian. Thank you for coming on the show, guys. Thanks for inviting us. Hello. Thank you. Boy, I sure was not ever expecting when I started my dumb theme for my podcast of a school to be introduced in another podcast as a professor. But you know what? I approve. It's come full circle. It worked. <laughs> I did earn this. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I feel like every word you're digging yourself back into the hole that you got out of by being titled a professor, but we can edit that out. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wouldn't, because I will continue <laughs> to do that. You'd have to edit out the rest of the podcast to stop me from doing that. <laughs> it would be disingenuous. I'll make this a 10-minute podcast. Don't think that I won't. <laughs> so I feel like with Pathfinder in general, this question always comes to mind as it did when uh, we were presented with it by our GM. What made you decide to focus on Pathfinder like rather than a version of D&D? Oh, because it was free, and I was in college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At the time. That is really the only factor that Pathfinder played into it. It's a good system, don't get me wrong. It's a great system, I love it. All the material is free online. Not the story-based stuff, the lore, but all the mechanics are available for free online. And when you got, you know, six, seven, eight college students that can't even afford food, (laughs) I can't tell them to buy a $60 core rulebook and then a couple splat books... All that stuff's available for free. It really helps everyone at the table can have uh, their phone, their tablet, and look stuff up on the fly. And it really makes everything go really smoothly. Christian, you hung out with computer nerds. If you're going to try to convince me that they're not able and willing to pirate anything, (laughs) you're going to be in trouble. Able? Yes. Willing? Why are you assuming that we're pirates just because we know how to use computers? Because college books cost $900 for something that was printed in 1999. (laughs) That's why. <laughs> Actually, it's reprinted every year oh, with a sorry. new edition with slight word changes. <laughs> yeah. Right. We got rid of all the contractions. The next version of <laughs> contractions are back in. <laughs> and then the following year, when you try to sell it back, it is valueless. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love seeing that like $10 markup on the thing of gummy bears at the college store. <laughs> but yeah, I'll tell you why I got into Pathfinder, because I trusted the word of a rando I never met at college. Oh, okay. Who just said... Yeah, this stuff is for free. And I said, okay, then I'll do it. <laughs> I don't remember that guy's name. I don't remember what he looks like. Oh, wow. Mysterious stranger. But I did it. <laughs> so you started with Pathfinder, Caleb? You didn't play anything before that? Not true, I guess. Okay, well, okay. Say, Christian just contradicted me right away. That's cool. Mm-hmm. The first thing I ever touched was back when I was a gosh darn preteen, our youth pastor brought out a dragon raid i think it was called it was like a christian version of a role-playing game that was amazing playing with a bunch of preteens can you imagine how that went uh you don't want to just stop i'm saving you now (laughs) and then we bought just because it was it said starter edition DD, i think fourth edition uh or maybe it was fifth whatever the red box was fourth fourth okay so we played like two sessions of that and then it was pathfinder then on in wasn't that interesting Thanks, Christian, for teasing that story out of me. Oh, you mean <laughs> we got invited on a podcast to talk. I'm just trying to get more information out of you. I'm sorry. I'll just let you be quiet. You should <laughs> keep it to that 10-minute mark we wanted to hit. <laughs> Christian's doing my job for me. I got no complaints about that whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking the reins. <laughs> D&D 3.5 edition was the first thing I actually played in college, and then we tried to continue that, and it was like, oh, we want to do something in this part of the world or in this set of lore it's like well those books are uh kind of expensive and like the dm would bring them but then there'd only be one copy of them and 3.5 had its own host of issues and the whole point of pathfinder was to take a lot of developers from D 3.5 branched off and made pathfinder which is kind of known as D 3.75 and fixed a lot of the balance issues mm-hmm. pathfinder really has a lot going for it they have a lot of experience There's a whole lot of ability to customize your character, and I think it's been, it's been almost 10 years that the game's been out, so there's just like a huge, huge base of content to choose from. 
which we're running into that problem in our podcast. Not really a problem, but it's actually a nice thing for our podcast because we were doing podcasts every week on this, and we are never going to run out of content. We will never hit the end, the bottom of the bucket here, for everything available for Pathfinder. It just just keeps on going forever. That being said, Pathfinder's going into version 2. Do you guys have opinions about that? Like, is, is the good thing about Pathfinder is that it's the thing that it is already? Or does it feel like a different enough thing that Pathfinder's having a version 2 as opposed to it being also like another version of D&D? Oh, I've got opinions. The question is, do you have time? Because <laughs> the longest episode we recorded to date was my opinions on Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Oof. So I'm ready. If you want to die, if you want to lose every subscriber you've ever had, <laughs> I can go. <laughs> One thing that they're doing that is probably the last thing anyone would expect me to talk about to give you my first impression of second edition is that they're going to do something that was really cool to tie it back. We were talking about having, you know, fourth edition, our first experiences. My first experience with fourth edition, they have like the start edition had like a little, I don't know, maybe eight to ten pages scenario that you ran and, and you built your character as you went. Like you ask your players, what do you want to be? Then it says if they pick option B, give them a ranger. Then you say, what do you want to do? And, you know, the guy goes up to you and he says, I lost my treasure. What do you want to do? A, we'll go for you. B, we're going to go find information. C, you're going to give us money for it. And then there was the D option, which was, no, we got other stuff to do. And if you picked that one, it gave the best advice I've ever heard anyone give in any role-playing game ever. You told them something to the point of, well... That might be cool for a different game, but the GM's trying to give you a plot hook. So please choose one of the other three options. Oh, whoa. Amazing. Wow. Perfect. Second edition, they're talking about going from the play test to the new one that they're going to change chapter one to sort of kind of do that, run you through a little thing to help you with character creation and a small little session to like, here's how battle works and all that. That was the best part about that fourth edition starter thing. Yeah, I kind of like that. It sort of like tells you how to be a player. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, it, it's supposed to be, like, a limitless world and stuff like that, but you gotta, like, be, you know, involved. Mm. Yeah, well, a GM can only tell a certain amount of story, right? Yeah. Collaborative role-playing. Yeah, the players aren't invested in it. It doesn't mean anything. And you come to the table not ready to invest in it. Well, why are you here? You gotta give me some leeway. Yeah. As Dan Hall put it, because you told me to run a game for you, and now you're treating me like a jerk. <laughs> Now you give me a bunch of gruff about it. Second edition, I can't wait to see what it does to the fandom. Splitting people apart and all that. Mm, I live for that delicious, that drama. Mm, 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 mm. It's going to get me into a lot of trouble one day because one day I'm going to have a lot of drama. If I don't already have it already, the people just haven't sussed it out yet. To see that drama of people like, you know, the second edition gunslinger, it's way better than the first edition gunslinger. And people didn't like the first edition gunslinger. There's already drama about that. <laughs> There's not even material out for Second Edition Gunslinger yet, is there? Mm-mm. <laughs> and they're already arguing about it? You haven't read my fan blog. <laughs> I got an archetype ready. Oh, oh yeah. Are people going to, like, homebrew a 1.5, do you think? Oh. You could kind of already do that, in a sense. Paizo put out some material in some of the books, like Advanced Class Guide, where there was alternate rule systems, and that was them kind of testing the waters for a lot of things that they ended up implementing in second edition and there are optional rule sets you can use so second edition is going to move to like a three action per turn system rather than what pathfinder uses where it's a little confusing standard move swift free action Not an action. i used to get three actions in pathfinder second edition and there is an alternate rule set for pathfinder first edition that is kind of like that it is a number of actions per turn based system everything is assigned a number of actions it takes so you can kind of pick and choose all of those and make your own Pathfinder 1.5. Hmm. It's just hard to do in the first edition. It's widely accepted as the thing that most fans agree. The best part about second edition is that new action system. And I don't know a lot of people that use the, what it's called unchained action system that Christian's talking about for first edition. When Starfinder came out, a lot of people tried to incorporate things in it just doesn't get traction just because the way the rules are so complicated and building each other having 10 years of stuff building on each other changing core things like that's just so hard and what second edition does is it changes that core i think the most thing you'd ever really see people take to do that 1.5 is maybe take the class system from second edition where it's very like modular and it's just done in a different way mm -hmm. i can see somebody transitioning that over but 
I don't know if a lot of people doing that. I think you're going to be picking one or the other. Myself personally, I'll be sticking to first edition for a while and just dabble in second edition just until more content comes out. Because I need stuff like the gunslinger, the cat folk. I mean, of course, I don't know what I'm doing with the cat folk. <laughs> Things like that. It's going to take a long time for second edition to even get there. Yeah, I'm in a very similar boat with second edition. Not super interested in getting on the ground floor with it, just because I like having my 10 years of content to call upon for Pathfinder 1st Edition. And it's just a system that I am so familiar with as a GM that I don't have to reference the rulebook. I kind of know everything by heart, and I don't want to hit the reset button and all that and have to go back to square one of having to learn with me and my players how to play the game. I still have, after 10 years, I still have players who have been playing Pathfinder the entire time who forget how to do very basic things in the game, like move and attack. <laughs> maybe that's Pathfinder's fault. Maybe I should move on for it. Maybe they'll get it with the three-action system. I don't know. That's interesting to hear from you, because I absolutely love the experience of learning a new rule set. I think that's a lot of fun, especially with close friends, learning something like that. I think it's because we, me and my players, are so ingrained in the system that it enhances the game because we don't have to talk about the rules. It enhances our immersion because we know how the world works and we don't have to talk about the mechanics. They're just naturally coming to us. Yeah. I can't wait for that. (laughs) 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 We have people of varying levels in uh, our group. So there's a lot of looking at. I'm with you at this point, Christian. I still have to like catch myself. Like Caleb, you're literally getting angry just because the person doesn't know the rules and they're new. Chillax, bro. Everybody. Has spent that much time in this system. Not, not as many people have wasted their life doing this as you have. They've maybe <laughs> done more important things. And if they've done literally anything else, then they have been doing more important things. Maybe it's like a narcissistic standpoint for me where like, I'm the rules guy. I'm the numbers guy. People ask me and I know. And I don't want to be caught looking at a book in second edition and be like, hey, Christian, how do I do this? Um, uh... <laughs> You guys don't know is that when Christian GMs, he has a little throne set up. (laughs) You have to know he is at the head of the table. No one sits at the head of the table. You will be kicked from the game if you sit in that chair. And I don't even want to talk about his crown because, frankly, it'd be embarrassing to hear how much money he spent on it. It is a little gaudy, but, you know, I really think it adds to the experience. I guess the point across. Second edition will be it'll be an interesting thing to see. It is it's a big departure from the way that they do things currently, and I'm really interested to see what they do with it. Oh yeah, they added goblins. How could it be the same? Let's all freak <laughs> out over a race that you could already play at first edition with a book that came out halfway through its life. <laughs> they're chaotic evil, Caleb, and they're core. Ooh, alignment. Is that what we're gonna do today, Christian? Yes. We're gonna get mad at each oh, other. We are. Is that what's happening? <laughs> It already happened a long time ago, Caleb. <laughs> I want to talk about fan bases. You could split them over anything. I'll tell you what the Pathfinder fan base is built on. Splitting. Gunslinger, split. Alignment, <laughs> split. Two different opinions, and they will not meet. Oh, wow. Kitsune. Kitsune! Who gives a crap about Kitsune? Well, guess what? There's a split. There's a Kitsune split? Hang on, this one's new to me. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. You didn't build the Kitsune right. Katanas, they were implemented right. The only experience I have with Kitsune, I wouldn't really call it experience, is I told my players, hey, we're going to do a really low fantasy backwoods swamp adventure, so be some level one hick, and someone came to me with a Kitsune samurai character sheet. <laughs> and I was like, um, no, actually, I don't think this fits in the theme. I haven't seen a Kitsune since. I do now want to see a Backwoods Fox person. (laughs) (laughs) They got a hunter cap on, chewing tobacco. Was that, um, that that freaking Disney movie, or maybe it's Pixar, who gives a crap? That movie that makes money off of children. You're going to have to be more specific. Zootopia. Zootopia. There's a Backwoods Fox. You can work that out real well. Yeah, there was. You caught me. I haven't seen Zootopia, Caleb. That's too deep a cut for me. Well, I mean, it had furry sight. What's the next thing that we want to talk about? <laughs> All right. So I, I was going to say, in response to that, it sounds like based on, on how you've described it, that it's, you know, very argumentative and split much like the Transformers fandom is. Mm-hmm. They are brutal to one another. What? Are there some people that don't like the new movies? What, what's what's in the new movies that people don't uh, split them? <laughs> like, like, I think it's over, like, every possible 
data point to do with transformers like because there's so many versions of transformers i think it's like there's no actual canonicity and people are arguing over it like intensely <laughs> is it some people don't want wiki to come back to life by a robot jesus or uh they didn't like the the balls on a robot giant character i don't what's the <laughs> what's the problem wait i'm sorry what did i miss their cartoon <laughs> had a giant guy the size of a skyscraper turn into a gun don't at me <laughs> To be fair, we haven't explored it since Bumblebee came out, which was apparently very good. But I did want to ask, is the divisiveness and the splitting and the arguing over, like, you know, those little contentious issues, is that kind of fun or entertaining? Or is it, like, actually kind of tragic and we shouldn't be having these discussions? Oh, I can answer this question real quick for you. Do you like going on forums? If you do, then yes, it's fun. (laughs) If you don't, if you're not the kind of person that enjoys forums or Reddit, stay away. Yeah. The kind of splitting, I tell you, we say all the time, and I stole this much from another podcast. I wish I could give it credit. I gave it credit when I first said it, and I've forgotten it now. Maybe it was Flagons and Dragons. Uh, know your GM, know your players. Mm-hmm. You got to have the right group. And if you're all there for the same thing, that's everything. The biggest problems that come up is when, oh, Christian wants to role play, and I wanted to run a dungeon crawl. Oh, there was conflict? Who would have seen? <laughs> the same thing happens for all stuff. You're all on the same level. Hey, this is how guns are going to work or whatever. In your game, your group of four to six people because you're a crazy person. <laughs> it'll be fine. But as soon as you jump on to look at what other people think, well, everyone is right and you can give a valid point, but I will not recognize it because that would change my mind. Yeah. Which there was some study that showed when people are showed evidence that directly contradicts demonstrably what they believe in, they double down on their beliefs. I mean, that's why I'm a Christian. Oh, wow. (laughs) It's hard to tell if that atmosphere of argumentativeness is based in it being a tabletop RPG or it just being the internet. And that's just how the internet works. And a lot of this happens over the internet. Places like Reddit, places like the Paizo forums. The Paizo forums are a hotbed of activity. If you want to get into an argument, just go post like the most banal comment you can there and just see what happens. <laughs> mm-hmm. The mods are coming in a lot telling people to calm down. They're locking threads. Mm-hmm. But there's also there's a lot of good that happens on those forums too. It, it's really hard to say exactly what it is. I personally think that with tabletop RPGs, it can be really, really left brain in that you can have a game or a person who plays the game and it's solely for the numbers perspective. They want to make a very strong character, they want to stat up their sheet, and they want to have the biggest numbers, they want to go on a dungeon crawl so they can get bigger numbers. And it can be really, really right brain, where you can be completely focused in the improv acting aspect of it, and you make props, and you play as characters, and you write a really make nice story. Make as uncomfortable as possible with my romance options. Yeah, <laughs> and and you draw art for your game, and yeah, you know the art. numbers are completely secondary to that. And those two, they can mix, and it's really nice when they mix. But some people are one or the other, and when they interact online and they see other people wait they're not optimizing their characters you guys are playing the game wrong how could you possibly have fun and it somewhere deep down it's coming from a good place when they argue over this stuff where they want other people to have as much fun as they are having they just don't comprehend that other people don't have fun the same way they do so that's where the quarrels really come from i strongly disagree there's too many people on those forums that their fun is making sure you don't have it. Their fun is arguing. That's the fun. Ooh. They don't give a crap whether you're fun in your game. They just had fun by yelling at you about katanas. <laughs> Actually, I don't doubt Listen, that. It's change. Every time Pathfinder adds a new book or a new rule, it's, oh no, there's change. So, of course, there's arguing stuff like that. Oh, I'm a Doctor Who fan. I'm used to this sort of BS. <laughs> Which I don't really get with Pathfinder, because the whole point is it's it's your game, and you can run it however you want. So if you don't want to use the optional rule, you don't have to, or you can change it. Exactly. Yeah. It sounds like the arguments online, being what they are, are mostly like philosophical, because if, if your whole group that you're playing with is on the same page, then it doesn't really matter otherwise. Correct. And you know what? It's the disconnection of being online. We're talking about our first experiences there at college, where our first experience we're playing games in a major way is when you get there and, you, and you're, you're with that group of randos who you've never met and you're all sitting down and everyone, listen, it's a college group that anyone can join. You are going to get people that don't want to play the game the same way as you. I don't see a lot of people throwing books around and yelling at each other and insulting each other. And mods having to come in and shut down 
our discussion, all right? But when you have the anonymity of the internet. Listen, guys, I'm from the 90s. Let me tell you, anonymity on the internet, that might be a problem in the future. (laughs) Thanks for letting us know. Yeah. This whole username thing, don't give out your real name, all right, kids? If we could focus in on, like, something that people argue about, Caleb mentioned gunslingers a few times, which is a point of contention. And there's a lot of different schools of thoughts in it, where some people are like, well, I think, from a setting perspective, that medieval fantasy shouldn't have firearms because they weren't invented yet. And then someone will be like, oh, yeah, well, there's rapiers, and that doesn't make sense because rapiers came about when they made chainmail, and chainmail was made because of pistols, so rapiers shouldn't be in the game either. That bothers me so much. You're fighting a dragon! (laughs) (laughs) Those don't exist! Except on the Deviant Art pages I frequent. <laughs> no, but and here's the deal. That that's kind of the baseless arguing. The real arguing comes in is how is it implemented? Which is like we don't need to make a good example. Christian and I can argue about it right now, whether or not we like how it was implemented. We can both agree that it should be there mm-hmm. and that it's good that it's there. But he can not like it for one reason and I can love it for a different reason. And the historical aspect to it i guess that would be a right brain way of looking at it whereas the mechanical aspect would be your left brain means of looking at it where i think that guns can warp gameplay in an unhealthy way because they interact on an axis completely different than everyone else and caleb can think that's perfectly fine because they're different and that's how it should be because they are a different thing and they should act differently yeah christian's free to be wrong as much as he wants to be <laughs> he can complain about guns doing consistent damage Meanwhile, he's playing a character who's doing 100 damage a turn with a bow. No, it's fine. (laughs) His points are equally as valid from the point of view of someone with his point of view. It was 364 damage, Caleb. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Wow. I can't even imagine having played with a single character for long enough to get to the point where I'm doing 364 damage with anything. Everyone likes low-level games. I want to talk about another split. You guys didn't ask about splits on anything except from one to second. Sorry for taking this in a direction you did not ask of us, but I will not stop. You want to talk about splits, people low-level to high-level campaigns. I know people that talk on our Discord, they constantly do like one to five levels and then start <laughs> over. Meanwhile, I'm like, if I'm not starting at 10, I'm not playing. Wow. Let me guess, your experience is a bunch of low-level games. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a common experience. Because most people are wrong. <laughs> I'm level three. It's the highest character level I've ever had in a game. Wow. Yeah. So, so you're just not having fun is the problem. <laughs> three, yeah. I wouldn't even do that. <laughs> See, you're experiencing it wrong. Let me tell you how to have fun. Okay, yeah. Exactly. Thank you. Exactly. All right, this Christian down. gets it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about splits, we're displaying the community as a really divisive one, which I don't think it is because, again, maybe at large, when you look at it as people who are completely unrelated talking about their game experiences, then yes, it's a little divisive. But like within the game groups I've played, I've never really had a problem because we usually discuss these things beforehand. So on a micro level, it's usually just you and your friends hanging out and you guys don't really argue about much. On a macro level, yeah, there's a lot of contention and a lot of divisiveness. Even on our own Discord, we actually had a running joke that we had to have people stop When a new person would join the Discord, they would be bombarded with questions of, pick one, archetypes or prestige classes? And uh. we literally started, like, (laughs) groups, and people aligned to one or the other, and it was like, pick your side, choose your hill to die on archetypes or prestige classes. And someone actually emailed us and was like, yeah, I joined the Discord and left immediately because (laughs) people were just, like, bombasting me with these random questions. Everyone's a little factionalized, it sounds like. (laughs) It was very tongue-in-cheek, but I don't think you would know just jumping into the middle of it. Yeah, if you're just entering the Discord and you're just, oh, please fill out this questionnaire before you join the Discord so we can know how to uh, treat you. Now obviously it's a joke because no one would pick prestige classes over archetypes. Exactly. (laughs) It's all just ironic. We have have agreement. (laughs) So when we talked about tabletop RPGs before on the show, a couple of years ago, one of the things that we had found in our researches was that you know, when Dungeons & Dragons first came out, it was mostly boys playing it. Girls were kind of excluded. But uh, in 2017, 2016, when we were doing that episode, we discovered that, hey, everybody's playing Dungeons & Dragons and Pathfinder now. Men, women, children, old people, everybody. There's an uptick across the board. 
and your own personal experiences, does that bear out? Are your, are your groups fairly diverse, or is it mostly like the, I'm assuming, the guys you were playing with in college you're still playing with now? When it started out, it was that way, and I've sort of drifted off of that. When I started playing, every one of us was different, and not only were we different, each of us had a different family situation. No two of us shared the same race. And then now, like, everybody I play with is white. I mean, Christian and I are both Italians from Jersey. We, we can't... <laughs> what perspective do you want us to give you here that's different? But now, I just play by picking people and personality, and those college friends, we've moved away or drifted off, or things have changed and things like that. It's just... I could tell you so much I enjoyed that more than what I do. Just I love different perspectives. It's odd. I don't know where I stand on this. I can just know it's what I do. Is that I am willing to play with a girl who maybe I normally wouldn't if they were a guy because they have a thing or two that's just like, eh, I don't want to play with you. Just because of how badly I want to play with a girl. I'm desperate. I'm lonely. I mean, <laughs> I enjoy their perspective. I enjoy what they add to the game just being a different person than everyone else there. I really, really enjoy playing with girls, and I'll go out of my way to do it if I can, which sounds like discrimination because it is. People will accept it more than if you're you know, excluding women when you go to purposely include them. And there's a whole conversation to be had that we don't need to have about purposely including people who have been excluded in the past. But I'll tell you, most things I interact with, when you listen to official things from Paizo and different people are working at that company that are making the game... They're making a conscious effort to include people. Talk about the forums and all that. A lot of that sort of moderation comes from, that was transphobic, I'm closing this thing. Or, hey, I deleted a bunch of comments that were hateful. Guys, keep it clean. Go to the pages where you can look up the moderator pages and you can see every post that they've made. 50% of them are at least talking about, oh, that was toxic. Let's relax and stuff like that. It's that whole diadem is shifting in the direction of being inclusive, whereas my personal experience, through no effort of mine, has shifted away from the diversity that we had moving over to well, most people I play with are white males that I can think of. Some from the Midwest, but I overlook it. That's good. It's very open-hearted of you. Well, I'm still trying, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the thing that struck me the most about Pathfinder when I started reading you know, rule books. Even like the, the simple fact of when referring to characters, it says she is as much as it says he. I noticed that, like, right away. Uh, well, actually, uh, to correct you there, when they put a gender term referring to a class or character, it's based on the iconic character of that class. Oh, really? They could be male or female. Which is really cool. Yeah. I really, really like that. So the iconic paladin, whenever they talk about a paladin, they'll use she because the iconic paladin is a female, whereas whenever mm. they speak of a bard, they'll use he. Okay. Uh, because the iconic bard is a male. Hmm. But Paizo definitely, and a lot of tabletop RPG companies, are including more diverse ideas, and it is a very open forum for things like that. I'm not familiar so much with the cultural zeitgeist of Canada, but I can tell you in America, that's the paradigm shift that's happening all over, so it makes sense that it would happen here as well. Whatever paradigm shift you guys experience, we'd have like a mini version. <laughs> or we did it five years ago. Yep. <laughs> I would expect so much of America's hat. <laughs> <laughs> my goal at the end of this episode is to leave you with no listeners how am i doing so far <laughs> i think most listeners to our podcast are americans so you might uh might have, uh, might have retained some oh so we should hate on canada more so you've on purpose picked me one of the most obnoxious <laughs> ones you could find good job i will appeal to the masses i understand americans like picking on canada so that's fine go ahead and do that i'm used to it sorry the meanest thing we say is that you say sorry a lot. Is it really that bad? I actually wish a lot of people I interacted with on a daily basis would say sorry more, so no. <laughs> <laughs> Little known fact is I actually support building the wall, but I wanted to move it up to Canada. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's fair. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm hoping to block that snow. I spent a lot of time in upstate New York. That snow needs to go. <laughs> <laughs> so we can keep the pot in Canada and make sure it doesn't uh, go over the border. Yep, yep. <laughs> But here, I actually want to know what you guys think about that, because it is a little bit controversial. How do you feel about purposely trying to include people who might not be included before? As I exampled, I purposely will include women. From what I remember from what we learned when we were talking about tabletop RPGs 
year or two ago, so it's old news. Maybe it's invalid. I didn't get the sense that people were purposefully trying to include people who had previously been excluded. I guess the culture had just, like around D&D, around Pathfinder, had just become less of a boys club. And maybe that was a purposeful change. Maybe enough people were like, you know what, let's let those those younger sisters play. Let's let, you know, those girlfriends play. Let's just open it up. Maybe less art with metal bikinis, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Throw some uh, some metal speedos on the bards, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we could either draw them in good armor, or we could draw that armor on men. And I think I know which one I've picked. <laughs> but you know what, boy, you just like shift into a thing that I'm like, nope, wrong way. No, don't let girlfriends play. Don't let sisters play. Little sisters are the worst. We all know this. <laughs> and B, I have an active rule that couples don't play. It's either one or the other. I will not let you bring in your boyfriend or girlfriend. Get them out of here. Can't stand it. Oh, the problems I've had. Oh, man. That's pretty interesting. Are you sure that's just the people you've interacted with, Caleb? Yeah. I mean, if I stopped interacting with people who were annoying Christian, we wouldn't record the podcast anymore. <laughs> all right? So you can't. You just got to bring that one right out of there. But no, if there's a problem with one person, guess what? There's a problem with the other. One person can't make it. Surprise, surprise! Guess who else isn't making it? No. Out of my game. Not happening. Double damage, as it were. Yeah, I do discriminate. I include women, and I exclude their boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. That's the only clip we really needed. So <laughs> Our legal case is now complete. Yes. <laughs> Caleb, put that on your looking for group posts on the online forums. You'll get tons of hits. <laughs> but really, what can you do about it? Because you just there's only so much information you can learn. There's all these studies about gender and their preferences and what kind of games do women like or what kind of games do men like. As a demographic, what do they like? And it's always a weird thing. Whenever you generalize a lot of people, like half of the entire race, just based on whether or not their genitalia is in or out, uh, can you know, have some problems. But when you look at that, there's differences that we can't always measure. So I don't know what stops five girlfriends from playing together. Certainly me and my group of five men aren't going over there and burning down their house and saying, give me those stuff. Give, give that to me. You're not allowed to roll. So I can't tell you. Maybe there is some difference why in the past or even now you'll have more men players than women. Maybe just women don't prefer to it en masse. But it's so, like, terrible to make those huge generalizations. <laughs> but I don't feel right saying – maybe it's a bit of an un unpopular opinion just because I want to lose all of my listeners as well. <laughs> I don't know how much you want to say that men have excluded women from playing this game. But I'm also – I come from a very poor perspective for this conversation specifically of I don't go to gaming shops. I don't really play with randos. My first real game or first real group was all friends. That's just what we did. Mm -hmm. A girl was in that friend group, so she played. Maybe if I went to a store and there was all a bunch of men there, then you can argue whether or not one way or the other, whether or not that helped exclude people. Uh, I would even probably say maybe it did. But since that wasn't my experience, you just have a group of friends and your group of friends wants to play. I don't know how you could possibly create that exclusion. When I just came up to some one of my friends and said, I want to play Dungeons & Dragons since I was 10. Do you want to play? And he had a mutual friend with him and then one of his friends with him. We we're like, do you guys want to play too? And we just did it. Created a really cool group that used to play 16 hours a week. Wow. Your game will be as diverse as your friends is, in my humble opinion, but a lot of people do play public games, and I don't understand those terrible randos. Yeah, that's an important distinction to make. Neither Caleb or I really have any experience or interest in playing in a more public venue, such as your local comic book shop. I play d and I play Magic the Gathering, so like I've attempted to go into the stores mm. like that, and I have never really had a good experience. It kind of lived up to all of the negative <laughs> stereotypes you have of these people don't smell great, and they're kind of abrasive, and this isn't the most entertaining social situation I've ever been put in. I kind of don't, I'm going to leave now. I didn't like how they kept shoehorning all their politics into games. They kept trying to legalize fey marriage. They didn't want the orcs to immigrate. It was a problem. <laughs> like, my experience, the, the two times I've been to comic book stores to pick up, like, MTG cards was some guy started talking to us that was a completely unsolicited conversation. Thank you for that. I wanted this placed in my lap. It was hey, like, oh, yeah. Like? 
well, <laughs> he's, it depends on the content of the conversation, because he's like, oh yeah, I buy all my cards for Magic in Japanese, so my opponent has to call the judge over every time I play a card to clarify the rules. I was like, okay, well, that's a that's good. That's a good great life. outlook on life to have. I'm glad you like to make <laughs> life as inconvenient as possible for everyone around you. Uh-huh. I had a time where uh, I wasn't near friends. I had moved for a little bit, and I played a good number of games with randos via online tools. And I went through maybe six games before I found a game that you know we were really all there for the same thing, and we were a good group. That's about the only time I've ever tried to do randos i play games with my fans and you know obviously they're randos filthy filthy randos (laughs) that as well the online group thing i dabbled in that a bit it's really hit or miss i've had really really bad experiences i've actually had some of the best experiences that i've had playing online with completely random people it's random when you play with randos it's random and it really depends on the demographic of the area you're in the nerd store by where I live, I wouldn't play there. I would never choose to play there because I went there and I tried it and they weren't a great group of people. The other place where you can end up doing this is cons. Mm-hmm. And me and Caleb also aren't big con people. So you got like Paizo Con, you have Dragon Con. Caleb has a story about Lodge Con if he wants to share it. Okay, sure. I didn't want to insult the people that were nice to us, but heck, why not? <laughs> it would make people laugh. <laughs> Guy invited me over to LodgeCon, went over, and uh, no one came to the panel. Set up my nice little thing. I knew there was a problem when I got there, and the last panel had no one there, hmm. except for the organizer talking to the guy. Hmm. I get up there, get me doing my little thing, another way sits up. People walk by, kind of look at me, and go, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I was supposed to get a panel. Oh, that's nice. Walk by. All right. Have a good day at the convention. <laughs> so afterwards, of course, they had, you know, open doors, no registration needed. I'm like, well, I guess I'll at least get my first experience playing a Pathfinder Society game. sort of the official organized play is what they call it. And uh, I'm like, all right, I'd like to play one of the Pathfinder games, please. You, you guys have pre-gen characters, right? Yeah, no tables open. Okay, when, when's the next? Yeah, there's no games for us today that aren't full. <laughs> what? Okay. Just sort of no follow-up, huh? All right, I guess I'll just drive home. <laughs> just leave. No, uh, you want to talk about tomorrow? I get, all right, all right. All right. Oh, you already, you already walked away. Okay. Okay. Wow. What a sad story. I've personally never been to a con. I don't know what those are like. It'd be an interesting experience. I've been to New York Comic Con. A bunch of times. It's amazing. But I don't know in what world people want to go to conventions with their very limited time there to play with random people. My point is, I don't understand your perspective and I refuse to learn it, people. (laughs) You can't discriminate against yourselves. If you have a friend group that's diverse, your game will be diverse. I can't help you when you go to random places. If you made the poor decision to go to a convention and then want to play there, that's on you. And we had a whole episode about that topic where you know are you being inclusive simply by not being exclusive to people or do you have to actually put forward effort to include more disenfranchised groups of people into your game and is the onus on a fandom at mass to do that it's a whole strange question mm-hmm. that i would like to see how that plays out at cons it'd be again it'd be very interesting i'd love to see what happens watch from afar with some popcorn <laughs> I don't know if it's something I'd like to actually do. I thought it was weird that your conclusion was that we should have separate but equal games for everybody. That's not the direction I would have went. <laughs> it's a really strange question because most games is, exist in a private situation, in which case I, there's not really any sort of onus outside of the group you're playing with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, if it's public, then it feels like it starts to need responsibility or like for, or an awareness that you're including that sort of material. Unless you've tasted the difference. That was the benefit I had through. I tasted what it was like to have a Vietnamese player, a uh, Chinese woman player, a Mexican player. I got to do that, and it was fun. And after I was always like, I need to get different perspectives in here because things always came up that were cool that wouldn't have come from me. There's your onus. It's not this weird, like, let's find this moral argument that we can find. It was just plain old fun. It was fun. So I do it more. I try to. When we're talking about private games and public games, obviously public games being cons, but you also have people who are trying to draw audiences. You have a lot of really big tabletop RPG 
uh, shows such as Critical Role, Critical Hit, Critical Role. Yeah. Ooh, so famous. Like, sorry, <laughs> do its name. Like Critical Role and Acquisitions you know, Incorporated is one I'm a fan of. <laughs> and the Glass Cannon podcast, and those just by factor of having more diversity in the story and the experiences, you will get more viewers because you have appeal to a more diverse audience. So there, in that sense, we are trying to garner an audience. I think diversity is a good thing, and I think it will have a positive result for what you're trying to do, which I say on a podcast that was a game with three white guys. <laughs> and we've mostly attracted that and furries to our Discord, so there's our diversity there. Well, I attracted furries. I don't want to blame them. I will take that one off of you there. <laughs> I think that saying, and, I, and I've made the same joke, Christian, as much as I do like to make fun of you, this is not one time I'm doing it. <laughs> uh, I like to make those differentiations because they come so rare. Saying like the three white guys, well, guess what? We do have different lives and different perspectives. I guarantee you, even Christian and I, two Italians from Jersey, there are some big differences between us and things that we share and we can bring to the game that are completely different. A lot of people might fall into the trap of saying, oh, it's just three white guys. Oh, oh, we're all black. Oh, well, I guess uh, there's some differences there. Spend five minutes and you're already yelling at each other. You know why? Because you're different. <laughs> and one of you decided to play Goblin. And second edition should never have included Goblins. There we go. Back to the Goblins. Oh, you can trace every Pathfinder problem back to a Goblin. <laughs> Give me a problem. I'll trace it. I guarantee it. Gunslingers? Guess who invented guns? Goblins. <laughs> Fiddling around, how, how do we kill dogs better and horses better? I guess you're right. Yeah. Katanas, their dog slicers weren't cutting it. Oh. <laughs> uh, some of that goblin humor. <laughs> so far, it sounds like, Caleb and Christian, you both primarily just are the game masters. And that's it. Do you guys ever just play as players anymore? Sure, right now I've been predominantly playing as a play. You know what, Christian, why don't you talk? I am talking a lot, and the only way I will stop is if I consciously stop. You can stop now, Caleb. You don't have to explain that. Maybe you have your to stop. opinion is as You could as just mine. stop talking. I would like to give a three minute presentation as why Christian's opinion is okay. almost as valuable as mine. And I'd like to begin with his hair. <laughs> I started as a player. No one really usually starts as a GM. Yep. I started as a player in college, and then I was like, hey, Man, these DMs, I really don't like the job they're doing. I'd rather do it myself. <laughs> so I taught myself how to GM, started running games. Same experience as Caleb, made friends in college, kind of picked out the ones that I had a really good time with, and they continued being my players, and they really enjoyed the games I ran. So I was primarily, from college up until very recently, the GM. I was the person who GM'd probably 90% of the time. Uh, occasionally, I would have an off day. And I wouldn't GM and someone would run like a one-shot or maybe like a short game in another system like Dread or Lasers and Feelings. Until recently where I kind of burned out. I was GMing Starfinder for a long time. And I just, work got really busy so I had to stop. And right now I am a player. One of my other players are GMing for me. But it is still definitely, in my entire play experience, I have primarily been a GM. Okay. I split as player and GM. Usually it's in big big burst i'm a gm for a long time i'm a player for a long time in fact after this recording i'm playing a game I'm, i have a document saved where i'm trying to play every class and every race and i've gone at least halfway through that document wow uh, so I've, i'm able to play a lot myself wow i'm always thinking during the day like about how to jam and my stories and things like that a lot of our podcast is tips for for both people so i thought it would have been a disservice if i wasn't being a player often yeah is a goblin gunslinger on that list? <laughs> no, catfolk gunslinger is, though. Okay, okay. Name a class. I'll let you know if I have been catfolk. The answer is yes. Cool. All right. List over. <laughs> All right. The follow-up question I had was, do you prefer one or the other to be the GM or a player? I think they could both be equally satisfying, just in different ways. Okay. I really like being a GM. I like making a story and seeing my players respond to it and being interested in it. And that is its own kind of satisfaction versus I really like being a player. I like solving mysteries. There's no mystery when you're a GM. There's mm -hmm. nothing for you to solve. You're just putting something forward and hope you construct it in such a way that your players will enjoy it. 
Versus when you're a player, there's usually a big mystery, and you are solving the mystery as you play the game, and that's where you get your satisfaction. So I don't want to sound like I'm complaining where I've only ever been a GM. I really like being a GM. It is extremely satisfying. But being a player is satisfying in a different way, and I need to get tastes of that every so often or else I start to burn out. All right. I love doing both. Yeah. As Dan Hall gave us a list of the top three things he wants from his players, and number one on that list was, I want you to love the story and tell me how good it is. I love <laughs> being a GM, creating a story, running people through that story, and then talking about it later with everyone that will listen and even those that won't. I become the person at the cashier checkout line that's, how's your day? Did you like the story? What did you think about when this character did this? Please, I just want you to bag my stuff. Okay, all right, fine. Just let me, you can tell me how you thought about the cafe character I made as well. <laughs> and then as a player, I love subjecting my players and my GM to all the terrible things I enjoy to do. We say a lot, you got to uh, find the game. I say it a lot so much that I just realized I literally said it on this podcast already. You got to find the game for your players. And a lot of people think, oh, there's bad ways to be a player. Antagonism is one that I, it's, I come so close to saying it's just a bad way to play. It's just bad. You're bad and you should feel bad. But you find a whole group of people that enjoy that and you'll play it. And that's where you have your fun. A lot of the things that I do, it takes very specific people to enjoy that. I like doing uh, what Christian often calls edgy things and having edgy characters (laughs) and having drama. Even having romance is a thing that, you won't find everyone at the table wants to do, and it's hard to find a group like that. And I've found an awesome group that lets me do those things, and I absolutely love being able to roleplay it. Afterwards, I'm thinking about my scenario. What did my character do You know, in between the sessions and in between the lines and things like that? I absolutely love doing both. And the more I can romance cat folk and lizard <laughs> folk and anyone, really, the better. Listen, I had to romance Christian as a GM, and I just don't want to do that again. That's all I'm saying. I'd rather be able to pick better as a player who I get to be. That's all. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and that was a cat folk relationship. You can write that one down. <laughs> so noted. And if you are interested in that, you can listen to Trailblazer Season 2, right? Over on our podcast. Feed. What? What's your favorite thing about Season 2, Tr- Christian? Oh, my favorite thing about Season 2 was my high reflex save. I like how you can just jump into it without listening to season one. <laughs> I'd give episode one listen. Ooh, sounds enticing. If you like a cyberpunk mixed in with your fantasy, it's got to be cool, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's tons of ways to listen, you know. Yep, on iTunes. iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts. Anywhere fine podcasts are sold. Anywhere <laughs> you can buy my free podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, make no mistake. I haven't gotten money from this. <laughs> What about you guys? What do you guys enjoy? We're so intensely less interesting than you. At least I am. I'm not going to speak for Christian. I am going to speak for Christian. Uh, what about you guys? Do you like being players or GMs better? I'm terrified of the prospect of being a GM. I don't think I know enough about it. One time we were trying to do a thing where everybody like rotated, so everybody got a chance to be a player. And this was we were using 2.5 because we had one guy who had the books and had them all memorized. I don't need to see Thaco again ever in my life. <laughs> Ooh. But, like, what happened was I became so involved in the story, I forgot to give them things like combat <laughs> and stuff like that. So I feel like if I do it dubiously and uh, prepare very well, I think I might enjoy it once I get into it, but uh, the idea is terrifying to me. I've enjoyed being a player, definitely from the storytelling perspective. I think I would really love to be a GM, but then I have to do a lot of math. <laughs> <laughs> so... There's some ways that as a player you can you can satiate that GM feel. I'm talking about, and this is me what I was trying to get at without being able to put it into words. As a player, one of the things I like to do that's very hard to do, and you got to find a good group for that, is I like to just be the impetus of the story. Mm. The group that I play with, we like to sort of push the story in the direction. We have a great GM that generally then kind of creates the story where we want to go. That's what I want to do. I have a very hard time, and it's what we're doing right now. We're doing like a the next chapter of the campaign that's sort of pretty built around here's what your objectives are. Go do them now. It's a little more structured than we're used to, and I'm having a little bit of a hard time being creative in that field and making interesting characters and doing interesting role-playing because I'm so used to being you know not chained, as it were. I like being unchained. Pathfinder and Bookstore. So you can satiate that if you can get a good GM that lets you just do what you want. Yeah. I like to hang out with people that let me do what I want. (laughs) 
and ignore their own desires. That's really what makes a good friend. <laughs> That's why Christian and I argue so much. He has this whole thing he calls his own personality. It's upsetting, really. <laughs> Just gets in the way. I've gotten no positives out of it. I don't know why I do that. I mean, your listeners are obviously here for you instead of us. So, Mike, I got a question for you guys. Sure. What is so interesting about Pathfinder? You're going to do a whole like follow up episode about it and invite us to randos on. We're just like generally fascinated with fandoms like all across, and we're like playing Pathfinder right now, so I'm super invested in that. So I thought, like, what fuels the passion of like you have? I'm going to go out on a limb and say successful Pathfinder podcast. That is a limb. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> My ego feels stroked. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. It's also just to, I mean, this is definitely an after the fact kind of statement, but uh, definitely just to see the diversity of opinions firsthand, because I'm not much of a forum person. Well, that's because you're not a garbage person. Well, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Because you're a normal contributing member of society. That's Well, well, thank you. Uh, But uh, hold on to those statements for a second here, because I've got some shocking news about our current Pathfinder group. (gasps) There are two couples in it. And it seems to be going all right. Wretched. Yeah. Oh, it's, it does seem to go right. It's not about when it goes right. Give it time. It's literally time. <laughs> time destroys all uh, all groups involving couples. I demand you do you add a little section to an episode in the future when that goes wrong, admitting that I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> and then I need you to send that to me because I do want to hear it. We will get right on that. <laughs> Oh, you will, because it won't take long. <laughs> man, oh man. All right. So you two obviously have this podcast about uh, about Pathfinder. You've been playing for, for years. It sounds like you're both pretty deep into the lore, and, and at least, if not the lore, the mechanics, certainly. So what I'm wondering is, would you consider Pathfinder more of a game or a hobby? Or is it some kind of hybrid of the two? Well, if you wanted to find hobbies, something that you can sink a ton of money into, yeah. it's a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And if you wanted to find a game that's something you don't spend a lot of money on, it's also a game. Oh, oh boy. You can spend zero dollars on this thing if you want and still get a great experience. Is that how much of it's available for free? Yeah. How do we differentiate the two, really? Games could be hobbies. Hobbies could be games. What's, like, the defining line between the two? I guess there's no win condition in Pathfinder. We're not trying to win. We're not in a bowling league trying to score the most points and Many come out on top. I hate playing with disagree. They try to win it, Pathfinder. <laughs> I have to like, oh, good job. All right, you've gamed the system. You've won Pathfinder. Now let's make a real character. That's fun. <laughs> you've, you've got all the right stats. Good job. Listen, people make this into a hobby. People buy figures. We keep getting people asking us to do an episode about figures and painting and different things like that. And guess what? We'll never do it because we don't do it, know nothing about it, and I find it silly, frankly. That is a huge highly part about it. There is so much accoutrement you can buy and you can make, and so much of it is sold to you in a way that you have to either put it together yourself or you complete it. It's hard to find figures that are good and already painted. No, because they they expect that's going to be part of the experience. I remember looking on a dice group and it had a picture of dice without the filling in it what? and it had a crown and i was like what the heck is the purpose of the crown and they said oh i guess we're just taking it for granted that we've been in this hobby for a while people used to fill in their own dice <laughs> what? that's the way it used to be and people still hate that mentality with their figures you can buy things that are like you can make your dungeon 3d you can buy maps yeah. the books and the rules are about the entry level of this hobby i don't make it a hobby myself for me myself it's just a game i absolutely love playing and as a social experience my friends i think our dm has all of that stuff (laughs) (laughs) i'm pretty sure playing hell's rebels and he got the hell's rebels dice yep that sounds like somebody who'd be fun to play hell's rebels with and it wouldn't be fun to do anything else with (laughs) i wouldn't go to a movie with him (laughs) i've been it's uh yeah. The biggest thing I've ever bought was like, they called it a spell book, and it was a sort of hollowed out book with chambers in it so I could carry my dice around when I went to play games. And I have in it like my dice and a, I think a pen and, and 
That's about it. I think a figure or two. That's about the most I've invested into this when it comes to that sort of hobbyish stuff. Christian, you don't like paint miniatures or nothing like that. Do you do any sort of hobby-like things with this game? I was just thinking about that, and I want to say I don't, but I feel like there's like a plateau, almost like a peak that you hit and then you go back down. Because I feel like when you first start, you don't have a lot of those things. You're just kind of first getting into it, so you either have just like the PDF online, or you have your book, and you have your character sheet that you printed out for free, and that's like what you have. You want to get into it. So you start trying to get into the hobby aspect, and you go, and you want to buy miniatures, you want to paint them. It's something I never did. Uh, You want to get cool dice, you want to get your spell books, and your dice holders, and your dice towers. And as you do that, and you buy these cool dice, like, you're starting to hit the peak of, like, this is becoming a hobby, I'm painting stuff, I'm I'm buying material to help me play the game, and that I could show off, and it's this cool swag. And then I hit the point where I was like, wait, I can't read these dice clearly from far away. They don't really roll great. <laughs> I don't have enough time for this. And then it kind of, like, immediately dropped where me and my players agree, like, if we can't read the dice, well, don't use those dice. Yeah, they look cool, your metal dice are cool, but they're also nicking my coffee table so could you just use regular dice christian i would appreciate if you didn't talk directly to me in front of all these people (laughs) no i didn't say the barbed dice caleb they hurt they physically hurt my hand to hold them and i couldn't read the number whatsoever (laughs) i'm not convinced you could read the number on the barbed (laughs) zonkuthan dice (laughs) i think you were just saying stuff You had to have a random number generator with you with your dice because the dice weren't cutting it. (laughs) They were cutting it, Christian. (laughs) So I had a point where it was like, we did it as a hobby, and now we kind of went back down where it's like, okay, now it's just a game. We we don't have a lot of time in the week to prepare for this. We're kind of using it as a means of hanging out and telling a story, and we want it to be as conducive to having a good time without it being too complicated. So use dice we can read. We don't have to carry around all these different materials and books anymore. We try to keep it as simple as possible now so that we can enjoy the game as much and as long as we can for the short time that we were able to schedule together. Listen, if you can shove it into your garage and you want to keep your significant other out of it, it's a hobby. And <laughs> my friends Chris Boyce and Chris Rowan, Christian, we did an episode with them. You'll remember them. That's exactly what they did. His wife shows them what she calls the freak show by bringing them into the garage, the finished garage. He had literally the part where you go out to get the car into it, but locked off and sealed off. Not temporarily, like plaster, oh. because that is now the gaming room. And there's figures everywhere, and there's a huge table, and there's this awesome map. This is the hobby room. Whoa. If you could do it with trains, <laughs> you could do it with Pathfinder. <laughs> true, true. Oh, man, now I want a train track and using that as the map. <laughs> and this train going through it. Oh, that being... Wait a second, I need to see how expensive trains are on Amazon. <laughs> oh, I will not be buying this. <laughs> Y'all freaks. So a lot of people are talking about this Trailblazers podcast. We might have heard about it a little bit before, but where can people find you off the internet if they want more, more Trailblazers and more Pathfinder Academy? I frankly disagree with you that a lot of people have heard about this. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people are talking about it. <laughs> There's much a buzz. I feel like one person, particular in this podcast, is talking about it a lot, <laughs> and I apologize. I'll do it again. I don't apologize. <laughs> T-Blazer Network is the name of the network. And you go to tblazer.net because I'm creative. Hmm. And there's the links to all of our podcasts and the many ways you can listen to them. If you want to search on your podcatcher, it's Pathfinder Academy for the show. That's informative about how to play the game and different tips for GMs and players. If you want to listen to the actual play that's sort of edited much like an audio drama, it's called Trailblazers. And I'm there too. Most of the time. Unfortunately. (laughs) But can I ask you guys a question before we finish this up? Yes, you can. Sure. You guys are in a fandom and all this. Like, have you gone on the forums? Have you done anything to look at this fandom? And what were your impressions as somebody who seems to be relatively new? My um, experience has been like, as, as I was like working on my character and stuff, as soon as I thought of something, I'd type in whatever Pathfinder and there would be like a bunch of Reddit threads that would come up. So I'd look at that and I mostly enjoyed reading that and like a few looks into our RPG horror stories. <laughs> but... On the whole, as we were talking about before, it seemed like a lot of philosophical debates, but like there aren't really stakes to the debates because people have their own groups and stuff like that. Mm. It seems to be very active and people seem to have talked about most things that exist in Pathfinder already. So it feels like it's not a bad resource as a community on the whole to get just to get other ideas into your playing. Both in the past when setting up characters and now setting up characters and trying to build them out and that sort of thing. 
I haven't really done a lot of diving or looking into the forums or the reddits or anything like that. It's it's mostly been from the Pathfinder resources themselves that I've been drawing. So I haven't really formed much of an impression of the fandom as a whole outside of what I learned the last time we talked about tabletop RPGs. And my impression then was that it was this hobby, this game, that uh, was becoming more and more popular thanks to stuff like Stranger Things. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I think that boosted things quite a bit. Yeah. And then I just get these little these little remnants sticking in my brain because I'll see a thread. Someone will just say, like, gunslingers are bad or something. And then I'll think about that every <laughs> single time. <laughs> the gunslinger will be like, is it bad? Is it, am I not, is my character not optimized? And then I'm like, no, ah. I don't need to be thinking about shit. <laughs> Got a min-max. Got a win, Pathfinder. I find it interesting you talked about people saying, like, these are horror stories from my game. I think you might misconstrue the fandom of Pathfinder by looking at those things because you're you're only getting it through the lens of people who give a crap what other random people on Reddit think. That's true. Posting, what do you guys think about this thing? I'm doing this in my story. Or, hey guys, any good ideas on how I can realize my idea of making this orc paladin guy? I don't want people's opinions on that. It even happens on our Discord and it boggles my mind. So you're going to get the fandom when you get the impression it's going to be those people. You're not going to get people like me who just kind of look at it and go, I don't care. I'm not clicking on that, nor am I going to post that. And nor do I have any interest in getting in an argument with the randos on the internet on how a rule works. If you find my username on Reddit, which I actively discourage you from doing, (laughs) you'll find that most of my posts are just basic rules questions. Yeah. That or oh, this is a weird niche scenario. How, how does this work? Because that's the only thing I want their opinion on. And as soon as their opinion comes into it, I check out. I'm like, no, but what does the book say? What's the rules? <laughs> if you want to think the fandom to me, it's really because of the nature of tabletop rolling playing games. The fandom is your group. What you guys are all hanging out doing, and when it becomes the greater fandom at large, the people who play pathfinder society and games with random people but the what you guys are feeling about your game there's your fandom right there but you guys all did it with it and the the great part about that is that's all going to be tied with the stories of your games the fun you had the impression and nostalgia that's coming with that don't let randos who don't like your (laughs) goblin barbarian gunslinger build (laughs) get to you i'd put forward the analogy that pathfinder or tabletop rpgs are a fandom in much the way, it's almost like the whole fandom is a sports fandom, but every playing group is its own sports team. Ooh, I got it, yeah. And no sports team likes other sports teams, and they don't always collide well. Yeah. Christian, what made you think a sports reference was the thing our fans were going to get? <laughs> I think that was basic what enough. What made you jump out at that one? Let's just talk about tribalism. It's fine. We all get it. You know, Caleb... Tabletop RPGs are becoming a lot more common. It's not just the nerds anymore. Everyone's doing it. It's weird when I sometimes bring it up at work and then some of my coworkers are like, oh yeah, like I, I've played a few games before. I played in college. I'm like, you? Really? Okay, that's cool. I'm not judging it. I'm just saying I was surprised. It's not like just the neckbeards do it anymore. <laughs> They're ruining our game. Get out of it. It's for us nerds. I work with computer programmers, so I guess that's not like the best yeah, example. <laughs> that's a particular sample that you have right there. That's going to do it for this episode of Fanthropological. If you're interested in finding more, head on over to Fanthropological.com or the podcaster of your choice will be there. Uh, Give us a rating, give us a review, and hit the subscribe button to get a brand new episode every Friday. And if you have stuff to say about the stuff that we said in this episode or any previous episode, hit us up at the NixCast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and let us know what you think. All right, well, Remains, guys, is to say thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank you for having us. Oh, yeah, this was great. I really appreciate it. I'm sorry I ruined your podcast. <laughs> you know what? Ruined, make better, you know. I think we got about 15 minutes that we can use, so that's, uh, that's, yeah. it was all worth it. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't hit the 10 minute mark. We got to try again. <laughs> all right. And all you listeners, thank you for listening. And until next time, we'll talk to you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Class is dismissed. Bam, snuck it in there. Ooh. <laughs>
Bip. You need to put like a sticky note over your stupid picture, Christian. What? <laughs> it's on your computer, Caleb. It wouldn't do anything. Stupid cat dog. What it's worth, I can't. I can't see. I can't see your stupid pictures. So. <laughs> if that makes you feel any better, it's two dogs, Caleb. We've been over this. Do you Is know what a, a dog? dog? I'm yes! sorry. I'm too focused on your face to realize what the heck you're holding. One of you is two dogs, and that's legit. I have one cat I stole from my neighbors. <laughs> it loves us more, so it's okay. That's what I said when I stole that little child. <laughs> I gave it candy. It loves me more now. That's just math. I like how ch- child abduction is the first thing you say once we start recording. <laughs> once the, the mics words are hot, you said are so crazy that that's the only thing I can compare it to. <laughs> that cat does not belong to you. This is a long time issue. We should start the podcast because this will we'll go on about this one for a while. <laughs> All right, put a put a pin in it uh, for for a little bit. Bip. Some of the best experiences that I've had playing online with completely random people. Uh, Christian, do you have I, a boyfriend? What? I bet he doesn't kiss you. What? What? What are you saying? No one? Come on, memes, people! (laughs) I made a mistake coming on this podcast. Yeah. (laughs) That was a good joke, and you're all the worst. (laughs) Well, uh... We'll sweeten, we'll sweeten it in post. Are you making a hit or miss reference? <laughs> no. Do you think I've watched that? Well, apparently you, you knew enough to call it a hit or miss reference, didn't that, you? That's Caught literally you the lie. only thing I know about it, that <laughs> they say hit or miss, and I guess it never missed. I didn't know there was more to it. That, those were the rest of the lines. You had a point to make, didn't you? Why don't you get there? <laughs> I don't know. I guess my point is that it's really... It's random when you play with random. Bip. We're ending the podcast? I feel bad. I feel like we haven't started. Ah. Have we answered any of the questions you had? Yeah, maybe. With editing. With editing. It'll seem like you. Good. we asked you a question and then you answered it. So that's... Uh, what is yeah. the conclusion your listeners are drawing about Kitsune with katanas? <laughs> I, I need to know. We might have not done this correctly. Is there anything else you want to say about that particular subject that you'd want to fortify in <laughs> people's don't minds? Do, <laughs> do whatever you want. Just make sure everyone else is into Kitsunes with katanas. <laughs> just be mindful of your other players okay that's all that's all it boils down to just be on the same page